This is Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. Like you gotta do the work. You gotta show up and just do the work. What's up? What's up? Happy Monday. I hope everybody had a relaxing, calm, peaceful, rejuvenating weekend and you are ready to get after it again uh, here this week. Uh, that's why we're here. We're here to help you get after it uh, with some inspiration and uh, maybe some cool new information for you. So um, today my guest is someone who's actually very formative in uh, the, the way that Jumpstart Foundry turned out. When my partner Vic and I uh, decided to go in full-time, we both came in with this uh, sort of really bad previous experience around culture, and we, we, we wanted to take the first year and be super intentional about the culture that we built. And we went and saw a couple of people and one of the people that we that we went and saw uh, was was my guest for today, Parker Gates. Parker uh, was probably the first person who I met who was an actual um, design thinking practitioner. It was right around uh, it was about five five years ago, and right around when design thinking started to become something you would hear about often in innovation spaces, but nobody actually knew what it was. Um, and uh, you know, Parker was super helpful for me in terms of making it practical making it accessible, showing us actually what it meant to run a workshop um, and uh, and walking us through some paces that really helped us to define what we wanted that first three to four years of Jumpstart to look like. And it worked, uh, which was like really important. It broke us out of our existing thinking, helped us to think about new paradigms. And so um, I'm just so excited to have him on the show, uh, especially since work is changing in another very, very profound way yet again, given everything we're experiencing this year. So without any further ado, my man, Parker Gates, what's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Thank you for having me, dude. It's fun to be here. Yeah, man. Great to have you, dude. And uh, I think there's there's a lot to cover right now. Um, I don't mm. want to talk entirely about, you know, people moving into remote work. I don't want right. to talk about that entirely. But there was uh, a headline today in Wall Street Journal that said Google is going remote until next July. Right. Yeah. So they're just sort of putting it out there, putting the stake in the ground. Um and I saw uh, uh, on LinkedIn in my feed, there's a major agency that just announced they're going remote forever, <laughs> right? Right. Forever. Yeah. Forever. That's it. Like, like they they had a they had a beautiful office. You know, agencies, right? I mean, they sure they, their space is like half the building, right? <laughs> right. You That's know, right. It, it's like half the business, and yeah. um, and so for them to kind of say, yeah, we're just going 100 percent remote. It's just it's just crazy, incredible. But like. You know, they were talking about, wow, now it means we can open up our ability to hire anywhere around the country. Right. Right. And um, and you've always had sort of uh, uh, a an interesting model to your business because you and your co-founder and partner, um, Anna, are not in the same mm -hmm. space. She doesn't live That's in right. Nashville, right? That's right. Yeah. And much of your work was around the world. I mean, one thing I yeah. know about you guys is, uh, you know, you, you travel a lot for work. You did, you did mm -hmm. have work for some large healthcare companies here in town. Um, yep. but a lot of your work was, was everywhere. So, you know, I am interested, uh, as a design, uh, a design thinker, uh, like practitioner, this is your life. This is the, yeah. you know, the, the, the capability you bring to people. Um, how are you seeing this move to remote, uh, impact leaders that you're working with in terms of how they need to uh, engage with their employees and uh, make make the workplace still 
something you know, when it's right. when it's nothing, when it's all about what we're doing right now, you know, Zoom yeah. and, and collaboration software. Mm, man, it's a it's a great topic. I, I was also skimming the news this morning and, and saw a couple of articles of a colleague of mine, uh, a guy named Michael Arena, just published something in HR Exchange, which is uh, like a, an HR site, right, for, for HR professionals. But he was talking about the the um, these kind of innovation networks that are dissolving right now uh, based on uh, he thinks a lot about bonding and bridging networks. And so, uh, you know, how some of those are going away uh, working in this in remote world. And um, and even Simon Sinek said something a, a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, we're all realizing the benefits and uh, of, of being virtual and, and remote. That's great. But um, there's a lot of things that we're missing um, culturally little bit harder to quantify so um yeah it, it feels like it's everywhere um and it's it's interesting too because there's a lot of people that are saying like oh hey this is right now we're at this really valuable spot and we're measuring our productivity uh and so that's great we're, we're getting more out of people they're not commuting they're more focused blah 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 and that's great um but they're not taking a look at things like you know creativity or innovation work uh which is a little bit different and it's a little bit harder to do and uh, we oftentimes think like we're big fans of an, or, of efficiency, but we're also um, we know that oftentimes that uh, efficiency can come at the cost of creativity. Right. Um, I'll give props to a, to a local guy, but I remember seeing years ago there was a, a video with uh, Jack White and he was talking a lot about um, uh, keeping his picks at the back of the stage. So if he drops one, he's got to run all the way to the back to get it. Mm. He, always plays old guitars that he has to tune up in between every single song. Uh, he makes sure that he spaces his instruments out on the stage where he has to run back and forth. His whole point being is like, if you make it too easy and too soft and too efficient, you grow soft and you get, you get a little bit weak. And yeah. so he maintains his edge by, by making sure that everything um, is a little bit harder. Huh. I, you know, I appreciate that. And so, um, so anyway, as I think about like, efficiency at the cost of creativity is like how can we bring about more creativity um in this remote way and and leaders are seeing the same thing so you know we've taken a lot of our work on uh remote and um it's doable it's passable uh but it's not great you know it's 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 not as good as it used to be our one of our mentors uh perry claybon from the d school at stanford he says uh it's He's like, it'll never be my main character, but it's a really great like supporting actor. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the virtual work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I mean, I think, I think we, we all are holding uh, onto a, a view of the future where we will return. Right. And yep. I think, I think largely the question is how will this prolonged transitional period change us? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm wondering like, uh, there certainly have been, I, I think to call them anything short of movements is, is probably uh, not, not giving them justice. Um, there have been these movements online uh, that have been very, very creative movements, you know, things I think about, and they're usually around software development. So I think about like the open yeah. source software movement, um, yep. you know, and the creation of uh, these, these programming languages that power, you know, large, large, large majority percentages of the internet today. Mm -hmm. um, 
and those things having been done all remote and, and all through yeah. communities and that, that have engaged, you know, before we had great video chat, right. You know, where it was just like our IRC chat rooms and email right. and listservs <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, I wonder like, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on any lessons that, that we may be able to pick up from, uh, the distributed technology world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we have people like Matt Mullenweg, who's been a leader in this space for a very, very long time. Obviously, WordPress sure. powers seventy percent of the, you know, of the website world um, today. And so, there was obviously some really strong success there. And I understand not every single, um, you know, form of creativity is the same, right? You know, I understand right. some really do uh, thrive off of that, that, that shared space. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas others can, can live, especially ones that are designed for distributed networks, um, can, but are there any specific, you know, points or, or, um, characteristics of those successful, uh, distributed cultures and movements that you or anyone else in your space has been identifying? Absolutely, man. I, I think that's a great question. One of the, the things that we've noticed for sure that I think we're just kind of, we're either just articulating what those distributed networks have been doing for a long time, or they've known it and we're just figuring it out one or the other. Uh-huh. And that's that um, a lot of the, a lot of innovation work that's done is done in the classic like design sprint format. You know, a lot of people in a room and we're jamming on stuff for, you know, a week or something like that. We're doing empathy interviews and we're, um, you know, prototyping stuff and brainstorming and all of that. And it's all pretty extroverted work. And so we're big fans of collaboration. We're big fans of radical collaboration, mm-hmm. very you know, diverse perspectives coming together. But what that doesn't make space for is those of us that are a little more introverted in nature, right? It doesn't allow time for thinking. It doesn't allow time for digesting ideas and like letting them really like uh, steep and grow within us. And so it's all very like how you respond in the moment. And like most people know, if if you're the loudest person in the room, oftentimes you can win just by being the loudest person in the room, not by having the best idea. Right. So we're just now learning like what it is to like give more space to ideation, give more space to, to introverted people, allow quiet to be a contributing factor, uh, to, to give people space and time to really come up with something amazing. Um, so that's been a big one, man. That's massive. That's really, really big, man. That's really big. Can I, can I, give you sort of a, uh, a relevant point that hit me in the last seven days where I think this is Please. super relevant. So, yeah. um, so I received an invitation to an app that is in uh, beta right now called clubhouse mm-hmm. um, last week. And uh, it is very, uh, very talked about in the Silicon Valley VC technology space um, because it's been able to, uh, be the platform where these incredible voice-based conversations are happening that like you normally just wouldn't have access to like the you know, super mega mega stars. Like so far the, the most interesting one that I got to listen to was um, Virgil Abloh, who uh, is, mm. is, you know, uh, oh, yeah. creative designer for Louis Vuitton um, yeah. was sort of talking about that, like what this experience is like, like being a black creative director in a top design house in France. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, right. which is like, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's actually pretty significant and, and he's there just talking about it and people are sort of asking him questions about it. And so it's, so it's this open room format. And the thing is like, you know, I do this show, I talk regularly on this show but, and it's live 
but it's actually just a conversation between you and I, and it's somebody who, let's say, at least half the time I, I know the person. But even outside of that, I'm totally comfortable having a conversation with a single person. Right. On this platform, I noticed, because I, I am ultimately an introvert, I noticed I was like, wow, I'm not that comfortable sort of jumping into these conversations and like sharing my voice, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm no, and I'm, and part of what, what I'm noticing is many of the people who are, are clearly extroverts. Like I can hear it in their voice. I can see it in the way that they're engaging in these conversations. It's like, because you start a room and then a whole, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people will join and sort of listen to you. And it just made me think, wow, this is a space that is, it leans towards extroverts. And yeah. so there, there, there is this idea that different distributed networks can be designed for both. But where is the space where they both can coexist? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and all companies, all good companies are made up of both. Right? right. You know what I mean? And so I think that's what's really, really interesting about how platforms may be designed with some bias built into them that mm -hmm. leans either more extrovert or more introvert and could be very, very difficult for a company to, uh, to bridge. That's, that's yeah. a really great insight. Yeah, it was, it, it struck us as, is pretty important. Um, we've always realized the importance of, uh, of giving time and space to, um, to the introvert crowd. Um, I myself, I think these days I used to measure right at about 51% extroverted. I speak all the time. I, I like I'm teaching in front of like groups all the time, leading workshops. And so I, I had 51%. But after I led that workshop, I would go back to my hotel room and I would not talk to anybody. I would be exhausted. And so I required quiet, you know, to, to like rebuild. And um, these days I'm 51% introverted. Mm. So it's interesting to realize that not everybody is one or the other right. fully, you know, we're somewhere on a, on a spectrum. Um, and how to allow for, for that. So I, I think you're right um, that good companies consist of both. I, I think of uh, Basecamp as a, as a, you know, they're a group that I'm, I'm generally like pretty like impressed by. Yeah, and sure. um, they have a great uh, system of, of working in like asynchronous ways and then coming together for more synchronous work when they need to. And that seems to be really productive for them uh, from, a, from a development standpoint, software development standpoint. And I think it's, it's worth noting about Basecamp is that, they don't just innovate on the product. They innovate on how to work. Like that's right. Like process. That's, yeah. Yeah. The process and yeah. the philosophies. Like I feel like a lot of what they yeah. do, like if you read the book, like getting real, you know, mm -hmm. which, which is about sort of their way of the way that they develop software. It's not a process book. It's, it's mm. primarily a philosophy book, you know, that sort, of, that sort of says like what matters, what doesn't matter, you know, yeah. what's the why behind doing anything, you know, so much right. of it is that that sort of ends up making these downstream decisions for you, the philosophies that drive the decisions that you make downstream. Um, and I think that's interesting that that they as a company dedicated really since inception, right? Like before the books, they they had the signal to noise yeah. block, right? Yeah. Uh, when they were 37 signals before they were that's base right. camp. And it's like, they've always sort of had two purposes. One was to work on the software package, right? You know, right. Uh, Basecamp. But the other, uh, actually, we, we could say three because they also worked on Ruby on Rails. But um, oh. right. But but I didn't know that. Oh yeah, DHH. Oh yeah, DHH did. That's right. Yeah. I forgot he he yeah, came up with that. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. So 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 even if they didn't officially as a company work on it, they were clearly like for a long time the number one sponsor of it. You know, 
Yeah. So, um, but but they also innovated on how to work, and they were th- mm-hmm. and they became thought leaders on that. Like without it re- really being a thing that they sell per se, right? I mean, totally. they give away the books, they talk about it openly, they they they're advocates for it, they're evangelists for it, but it's not like a service that they're selling. So I think there's something interesting about that too. Mm-hmm. for companies like you have to yeah. be willing to lead and innovate on how work is going to look because mm-hmm. quite frankly like there's there's no clear guides anymore you know no no dude it's yeah all the all, it feels like for a, a lot of us most of the constraints and the guardrails have been removed you know, yeah. um, not only from a, a physical location, but from synchronous or asynchronous, how we communicate, like all of it is just like, it's, it's, that's, and that's a wonderful thing to a degree. It's like, great. It's all to be designed, you know? Um, and it's good to have, uh, I, like you said, you know, people like them that are writing the rework and the, it doesn't have to be crazy at work and um, giving us good examples for what a, a modern day organization can look like. Um, this, they're not killing themselves and, uh, they're, they're doing things in a really responsible, sustainable way, um, right. and taking care of their people, which I, I personally just think is huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a it's really def- big deal. Definitely huge. Yeah. So, so let's talk about like the work that, that Stoke does, um, mm-hmm. and maybe even the broader, you know, industry that Stoke sort of sits in just to sort of define yeah. that for, uh, for, for the, the audience. Um, and then I want to jump into how this pandemic has, has, uh, has changed what that looks like. Totally. So Stokes, uh, when we got started about 10 years ago, uh, we were primarily just delivering uh, learning experiences for uh, executive education. Um, my co-founder, Anna, and I, we got our start. Uh, we we coach executive education at the D school at Stanford, which is where we learned about design thinking. And um, we became such fans that we uh, left our day jobs to go do that work. And, um, and so that was where it started over time. People were like, Hey, you're, you're guiding us in process. Can you guide us on a real project? Like mm-hmm. we have a thing that we want to do. So quit teaching us and lead us on a real project. And we said, sure. So we started doing that. And so uh, project work kind of came up and, but then, you know, accidentally we learned that we were having this strange like cultural effect on organizations where after working with us, they started to collaborate differently. They started to behave differently and, um, and uh, their culture was shifting. Uh, that was not why we went in there. We thought it was cool, but it, it was not the thing that we were selling. Uh, we were selling and talking about innovation work and design work. 10 years ago, if you'd said, hey, we're gonna come in and change your culture, nobody would have talked to us, you know, like culture was a dirty word. It was a scary word. Right. And, um, and so, uh, so that's what we do these days. We, we kind of offer these three main areas of of services that we work in, which is education. So we still teach a lot of design thinking. We teach organizations how to be more innovative, how to behave more innovatively. Um, And then we do a lot of culture work, um, working with organizations to take a look at where their culture is at now and and where they want to move it to. Uh, and then we do a lot of real deal innovation project work, creating new products and services and experiences. And so, um, and, you know, for the most part, um, yeah, that still happens kind of at an in-person, you know, global st- scale, right? So right. Uh, a lot of that work is, is done um, <laughs> thermogenically is what I like to call it, right? It's like where you give some energy and you receive some energy back. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what we do right now. And, and the services themselves look like lots of different things, but those are the big areas that we play in our education, culture, and innovation. Are 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 your clients coming to you and saying, "Hey, everything you you helped us to change and evolve about our culture worked really well when we were in the same space. Now we're online. Like, can you help us with the mm. gaps? Are you are you you know are they reaching out to you talking about what that looks like it is just starting i yeah. i think it has taken the last you know 90 days for people to adjust and to you know figure out a way to take care of their children while they're working you know uh, like right like totally so gosh uh i think we're just getting linked to a place where they're like hey we're on zoom all the time we're all exhausted you know, trying to figure out like what that's all about. And, uh, and so I think they're clearly seeing that um, there are some, some cultural issues with only meeting virtually all the time. And so there's been some, some great research that uh, I think has been, it was in the New York times, maybe a month ago um, talking about some of the problems with virtual working is that uh, when I'm looking at you and I, I say something, I'm expecting some kind of micro expression that I probably won't even consciously register. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I don't get it because there's a lag or there's a glitch in the software or the resolution's not perfect. Yeah. And so when I don't receive that feedback, my mind starts thinking, oh my God, why didn't he react to that in a way that I thought he would? I, is he mad at me? What's going on? You know? So I'm doing all this processing unconsciously and it leaves me to like have a really weird conversation with you yeah. and, and not the same kind of conversation that you and I would have in person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so people are starting to see that and that's, that's just kind of the neuroscience side of it. Um, and so uh, not to mention the fact that we're all sitting down, you know, it's stoked. We talk a lot about posture Whoa. and how important, you know, Dude, right? hold on. I have to stop you right now because uh, like, so this desk is a stand-up desk and, mm. and it stays lifted until it's showtime. I can't stand and do the show. I have to sort right. of sit because there's just too much stuff and I need to, it's just sort of, it's again, it's a posture thing. The posture people totally. expect in a show is for me to be sitting. Right. Dude, I have not sat this much and, and sitting is, is like it, you know, people say like sitting is new cigarettes. It really is. Right. Yeah, like if you're bad. in tune with your body and you try to take care of your body with, you know, mobility work, stretching, mm -hmm. you know, any of that kind of stuff, you see the restrictions oh, yeah. and all the, like literally right. I'm in more pain right? because of the last four months of working at home because of sitting. I'm, lit yeah, I'm literally more pain. Because yeah. So think of the downstream effects of that, right? Like yeah. my, my back is tight. My hamstrings are tight right now. And so I'm a little uncomfortable for the rest of the day. That's going to play a part of my energy. Part of my energy is going to dealing with that. Uh, I may have to take some Advil later. You know, uh, I got to sit down in child's pose every three or four hours. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it requires a lot to 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 work in this new way, you know. So yeah, that, all of those things are so important to to how we behave towards each other, man. It's huge. huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I'm glad that you you sort of brought up the sitting thing because uh, one thing that I have definitely noticed is people who were already uh, I'll just call it advanced in their in their well being practices, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, we're probably a little better prepared for, for this moment, but, mm -hmm. the, but the people who were thinking about it, you know, about to start getting it going, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is, this is hard. You know, yeah. this is really, really hard because now it's like, you don't have the cultural cues 
of even of the things that like I'm sort of yep. happy I don't have to deal with anymore, like the the, uh, the 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 commuting. I'm really glad I don't have the commuting. But there there is something in that cultural cue mm-hmm. around commuting that breaks up the day differently. Yeah. And I have found myself working just longer days, you know, yep. without sort of a stopping point. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting, like. Even even something as simple as the satisfaction I used to get from Inbox Zero mm-hmm. is like diminished. Like I, I'm yeah. I, I'm pretty consistently on Inbox Zero, and it doesn't do anything to make me feel more uh, more like I'm I'm getting sub like I'm getting stuff done or I'm on top of stuff. You know, right. uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if we're still on topic anymore, but but just just talking <laughs> about the weird like the weirdness of yeah. working in this moment, you know, and how yeah. that can. Uh, how how one thing affects the next thing affects the next thing affects the next thing and all of these things are ultimately affecting work culture. I mean, it's, yeah. it's impossible for them not to. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's and, and, it's and we're seeing burnout. We're seeing a lot of those things happen, right? So uh, they're saying that they're they're already measuring a higher level of burnout, a higher level of depression, um, and so people are super productive, but they're sad. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's not that's not awesome at all. And I would even I'll I'll be the first person to argue that that's not productive. If our people are not doing well, if they're not um, healthy and, and, and feeling good, that's, that's in no way productive. I don't give a shit how much work they got done. Yep. Right. That's that, that part's irrelevant to me. Yep. Um, yep. That's not sustainable. So what's, what's a, what's a hopeful note? Um, you know, these shows go fast. We're in the final five minutes. So what's a, ho- Oh wow. Yeah. These shows go fast, man. What's, what's yeah. a hopeful note uh, around the innovators um who are looking at these challenges and obviously, you know, saying, Hey, these are, these are new problems and they're not problems like that are going to go away right away. These are problems we're going to be living with for, for some period of time. Um, you know, where, where is their inspiration around people really leaning in to solve this stuff? I, you know, for me, I think it's, I think one, one or two things that are, that are pretty exciting are, because our normal construct is blown up, we're having to rethink stuff. And mm. so as much as I think COVID is annoying, uh, and I think it's annoying, um, Same. <laughs> our, constructs are, yeah, our constructs are blown up. So we're having to kind of recreate the wheel to some degree. And I think that that's always a good thing. Yeah. If I am comfy and everything is going my way and, and things are exactly how I want them, my propensity to change is very low, right? So um, this creates a new set of circumstances where I have to like re-engage and be like, all right, you know, what's the most important thing here? Like, you know, what are, what are the unmet needs that, you know, like go back to the beginning and say, okay, how would I, how would I design a workshop for instance? Uh, you know, our team, when our first client said, Hey, we had this big thing planned. It's not happening in person anymore. Can you take it remote? Our first prompt was like, okay, great. How do we not only take this remote, but how do we make this better than it ever was before? Mm-hmm. And so, um, it required us to like re-engage in some really fun, creative thinking and, and get weird, you know, yeah, uh, which yeah. um, is a great way to approach it. So I think that that's actually a good thing, man. I, I think as, as much as I don't enjoy this moment, I think being pushed out outside of our comfort zones is always a helpful thing for me. Um, and my hope is that we look back soon and we can laugh at this and, you know, be like, oh, well, it'll be hard to laugh just because, you know, the the medical consequences, the people that have passed away, like that's brutal. But um, I hope that we can, we can think about this in a different way other than just being mired in like, Oh man, this is brutal. 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think that's a great, that's a great point. The, the, the idea that we are being forced out of our comfort zone, we're being forced to rethink this and look at things that we previously just accepted as like, Hey, we've solved that problem. So we don't need to re- go back right. to that. And, yeah. and I think in each one of those areas that we, we re look at it, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we might really find a better way. And sometimes yeah. we might find a greater appreciation for this thing that we've lost because out of necessity, we can't be around each other. You know what I mean? Like sometimes right. we may just find, guess what? This is only going to ever be a supporting actor. It's never mm-hmm. going to be the lead act, the lead actor, but um, we're grateful that we're able to have the supporting actor in the mm-hmm. meantime. And holy shit, can't wait to get back to, to, to what, what we had and appreciate it even more than, than we did before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think that the gratitude will come as a, as a means of a newfound perspective. Uh, and, but then again, like going back to our, to our introverts, man, we get to, we get to treat them with some respect and, um, and give them what they need to, to do this work with the rest of us. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, this was, this was a fun conversation. This is a good way for yeah, me to start man. the week, man. You know, uh, That's right. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely, at that point where I told you before we got on where I'm getting a lot done, you know, but like, I've just been like a little more tired lately. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've been a little more tired lately. And I think some of it is closing out some long, some longstanding projects, but also just, uh, this is heavy on so many levels and so many ways. And, you know, just trying to, uh, be kind and, you know, mm. to myself and, you know, just mm. sort of accept that this is difficult. And so this conversation was helpful for me to mm-hmm. just sit in that space and, and uh, acknowledge that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Thanks, dude. Hey, listen, everybody Thank out you. there, follow Parker online. Uh, I love his handle at crooked cop. That's like the best, that's the best <laughs> social media handle on earth, dude. At crooked cop. It takes on a new relevance right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter, uh, stokedproject.com. Uh, you definitely want to uh, sign up for their email list because I, what I love about them is they create and communicate when they want, but whenever they do, it's super, super authentic and really hits home in a, in a fantastic way. So, you know, if you sign up for like whatever emails that they have, you're not going to get hit like every week with something, which is really cool. But when they do decide to send you something, it's, it's pretty badass. So, uh, mm-hmm. stokeproject.com. And also, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if your company is interested in, you know, sort of exploring their services, I can tell you, like I said, like I started the show with, um, working with Parker, uh, and his team definitely, uh, had a lot to do with the success that we achieved, uh, in the founding years of, of Jumpstart Foundry as a healthcare fund. So, uh, can't, can't recommend them more, uh, create and orchestrate in stores. Now go get it. If you haven't already, the podcast, Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe, everywhere that you get podcasts. And follow me online everywhere at Marcus Whitney. That's it. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Until then, let's build a new normal and take care of yourself, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe.